So I'm thankful to be a part of a church that loves missionaries. Uh, I'm always thrilled when I get to spend time with our brethren, uh, especially those that are working on the fields uh, to bring uh, help establish churches and to see people saved and, and to disciple believers, just like we're trying to do here. And it's just a joy uh, that uh, we get to be a part of ministries uh, like Brother Brian Weed and others. And I think about uh, what Paul said. Uh, as he was there in uh, working and laboring, and then the church in Philippi sent uh, to his need, and he said, listen, this is fruit that will abound to your account. And it's just a joy to be able to to be able to, to hear some of the fruit that's abounding there on the field. And uh, I'm just really blessed to have Brother Brian Weed uh, here with us. He's a missionary in Nicaragua, and uh, he has just shared with me earlier this week some phenomenal things that God is doing there. And I uh, but I'll be honest, we've supported him and his family for almost two years, and uh, never once have we gotten to meet this family. So, and, and we have tried, this is our third try to get it to happen this year, and it just has not worked out. And so we said, before anything else changes, we're gonna make sure we can at least do a Zoom meeting. And so we wanted to, we did this uh, uh, so that we could share it with you tonight uh, during church. And we just wanna uh, just say that it is a real honor and a blessing to to be able to, to meet Brother Weed, to be able to spend some time with you, and uh, to see God doing uh, and hear of what God is doing there on the field. And so uh, right now, uh, the weeds are currently in Florida, and uh, they have been sheltering in place there. And I'll tell you, brother, that must be pretty bad to have to shelter in place in Florida. Yeah. Of all the places to get trapped, we did it right. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, how close are you to the beach? Well, we're right in the middle of the country, or right in the middle of, uh, of uh, the state, and so we're, I, I think, uh, a couple hours from the beach, maybe. We, okay. did, we did go and get to see it. We saw a sunset, all that, and then Florida shut down the beaches. Oh, no. Well, yeah. is it starting to reopen, though? They're starting to reopen in spots, and of course, there's uh, the people who are excited about that, and then the people who are mad about it. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting how people react. Yeah, we've, we've got both sides of the spectrum everywhere we, we look, I think. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's a that's a pretty exciting thing to be able to, to know that uh, that you get to suffer for Jesus down in Florida right now. But uh, honestly, <laughs> we're, we're thankful that that church there has opened its arms and just uh, encouraged and loved on y'all. Y'all live, currently live out of your RV uh, while you're on deputation. And, uh, and so would you share with us, because we don't know a lot about, uh, about your family, because we've never had the privilege of just having that one-on-one -on -one and face-to-face, -face, share with us about uh, you and your family, uh, maybe, and then about your call, a little bit about you as a person so that we can know better how to pray for you. Well, we, uh, we're from two different spectrums, my wife and I. I'm, I'm from the spectrum where a pastor knocked on our door handed us an invitation, invited us to church. My mom got saved, dad got saved, and I got saved. And so uh, so the gospel message still counts to this day, and we're proof of that. And then my wife, uh, she's on the other side. She was born and raised in the ministry. Her parents uh, are John and Carrie Barnes in Costa Rica, where the Baptist Bible Fellowship was about to have their, their big international meeting this year, and then that was canceled because of COVID. Uh, but uh, her, her, her grandparents are, are the Meeks. Uh, Jeff Meek passed away a few years ago, but Maudie Meek uh, is, is uh, still in Costa Rica, as a matter of fact. And so, uh, so Rachel is a third-generation missionary. Wow. Uh, she was born and raised in Costa Rica. She's a Costa Rican citizen. And uh, now our daughters, are, two of our daughters, are at Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri there. 
And so they're fourth generation Baptist Bible Collegers. Wow, that's great. Now, uh, how close are they to graduation? Uh, our, uh, Carly just graduated. And so this just happened, uh, basically, well, it happens this week, and it'll be an online graduation. That's and awesome. And Abby is finishing up for her, uh, her freshman year. Well, so congratulations that's to both, uh, both your daughters. And uh, man, what an in interesting year for these girls. Uh, I think we, right. we have some BBC students and some students that were at different colleges as well. And, and I think it's been a really interesting year for, for all of our students. And so right. uh, we know that it's been an especially challenging thing uh, for, right. for our college, for others as well. And so we just thank the Lord that uh, he's watched over them through this. Right. Now, you mentioned that uh, this is your first time as a missionary. You know, you're the first generation to be a missionary. Uh, and so did you feel inferior when you got to the field and your wife could already speak Spanish and you're like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just embraced it and figured I had a live-in translator, a live-in uh, message uh, fixer-upper. I would I would type out my messages, hand them to her. She'd give them back with all the red corrections as if a professor was just destroying them. And so that actually was a blessing for me uh, that she, uh, you know, she was born and raised in it. She's fluent in Spanish. She sounds uh, like a Costa Rican when she speaks. That's tremendous. That's that's really exciting, you know. Uh, and so, is is there much uh, difference in the Nicaraguan Spanish and Costa Rican Spanish? Oh yeah, very different. It's like uh, being a Texan and then going and visiting people in Boston, or vice versa, right? You know, it's uh, just, it's I understand. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> well, that, right? that's pretty awesome. So, uh, with your family, you've got two girls. Any boys or anything like that? Uh, then we have a twelve-year-old daughter that's uh, with us as well. And actually, the two BBC students are down here with us because they came down during the spring break to spend time with us and uh, then basically found out that uh, school was canceled. So they're still wow. here. Well, that's pretty cool. So you get your whole family together. Oh, yeah. We couldn't have asked for a better situation for COVID-19. Yeah. It worked no out good yeah. God, good. Well, that's, that's cool. Tell us about your girls and a little bit about each one of them. I know you said uh, your oldest daughter's graduating uh, this week, and then uh, you have a freshman that's just finished her first year at BBC. Uh, right. So what are, what are their plans when they, uh, what's your <clears throat> Well, Carly, Carly is graduate, graduating with the international, international, cultural, whatever they call it, right? I call it missions. Yeah. <laughs> the missions degree, right? Uh, and uh, Abby, uh, our second daughter, she's also in the missions program, and they're just looking for what uh, God would lead them to do in the next step. And and you just try to coach them along. So okay, God has you this far. Now now you go through the next door. You wait for Him to open that up, and you just keep moving on. So they both went uh, missions uh, and seeking what God would have them uh, to do. They they loved ministry. They've seen ministry. Uh, they've enjoyed ministry. They've been translators. Uh, in Nicaragua for missions teams. And so they grew up doing this. This is what they know. So it would be an easy thing for God to call them into. Cool. Cool. Now tell us about your 12 year old. I'm sure she's a fun one. Yeah, she is, you know, interesting, interesting. She's uh, she's an artist and uh, uh, she was actually given an iPad and one of those pens and uh, a church in uh, New Mexico has actually uh, had her design uh, artwork for their church for uh, for the for uh, for witnessing in Latin America, so she has wow. her own uh, her own design for uh, Latin American uh, witnessing. That's great. Uh, you know where it's like the valley with the flames and the cross is the bridge and yeah. you know the whole deal, right? So she designed that and and uh, so she's 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 into that. She's in a ministry 
every one of our girls, like I said, they've, they've, they've grown up in this. This is what they know. This is what they do. And uh, it's natural. And now, how long, how long have y'all been in Costa Rica or excuse well, me? Nicaragua? Well, we've, uh, we've, we were approved as missionaries uh, over 20 years ago and then did the, did, did the deputation and then went to Costa Rica for language school, but we've lived in Nicaragua for over 18 years. That's great. Well, praise the Lord, man. Well, tell us, tell me a little bit about your call to, to ministry, uh, if you will, and then how God led you to Nicaragua. And I mean, it would have been, it seems like it would have been pretty easy to go to Costa Rica where family was already was, but uh, obviously there was uh, the Lord's direction and leadership in that. And so share us a little bit about that, if you will. Uh, interesting. It goes all the way back for me uh, to Camp Sagmont there in, wow. uh, in Missouri. I was invited by a church to go to a camp, and I thought, why not? I'll go. And, uh, I, you know, I think I was the only uh, public school kid at the whole camp that year. <laughs> and, and so I went, and I attended the, uh, the camp, and, and a man was speaking, and he was talking about your call in a full-time Christian service. And, man, it really, it really uh, struck a chord with me, but I didn't really know who to talk to, what to say struggled with it and then ended up uh, I ended up racing on a cycling team traveling around uh, the United States and it was actually at the United States uh, Cycling Federation Nationals in 1992 I had to sit in my room in a hotel and relax because it was a stage race so it was multi-day multi-stages okay. multi-races and so the idea was just to relax so what do you do right so I, I leaned over picked up the Gideon Bible that was in the hotel room started reading the Gideon Bible, fell under conviction while reading the Gideon Bible, finished the race, quit the team, went to my pastor, Pastor Lindsay in St. Joseph, Missouri, and said that God's calling me into full-time Christian service. Amen. And so that was kind of the step-by-step the -step process for me, was just, you know, I was like, I'm done. I'm done wrestling this. And I just uh, said, I, I have to follow God's will for my life. How, how awesome, you know, because I think so a lot of people, we, we struggle with uh, one, knowing, but secondly, surrendering and to know that, uh, you know, we're not alone in that struggle, that there are other people as well, especially missionaries on the field today uh, that, uh, you know, are able to say, listen, this was a struggle in my own life as well. But when I did, what happened after you surrendered? Share with folks just kind of what God did in your heart. Was there peace? Was there uh, excitement was there joy was there apprehension uh, it was it was uh, it was peace except for i you know the the whole baptist bible college bible college that was definitely not a world that i had been around sure and so actually i, I moved to springfield within a week i ran into uh msu cycling team uh, they had a cycling team at the time so i actually started training with msu that kind of helped me with my transition from the cycling world into the ministry world and and then I met Rachel, and, and of course, she knew more about ministry in her little pinky than I knew in my whole body, right? You know, she's growing up in it. Sure. And so then we were able to visit her parents in Costa Rica and then um, and see what that was like. Well, you know, if you, if you know the Barnes ministry in Costa Rica, I did not quite understand at that time, but he's pretty much the godfather of Latin American missions for the Baptist Bible Fellowship. You know, it's his, his ministry is into the thousands and thousands wow. of people. And so I went there thinking this is how ministry is. And so I'm like, well, I can do this. So I, I, I looked at that. I'm like, ah, I like this. This is great. I'm going to do this too. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and so 
So I surrendered uh, to do that. I'd been struggling with a guy by the name of Art Wilson. Pastor Art Wilson was preaching at Cherry Street. He was blind as a bat. I didn't know that. And, uh, but he, I, I would swear he, he was what we would call back in, back home is mean mugging me. You know, I felt like he was, he was staring me down the whole time he was preaching and pointing his finger at me. And I actually uh, went from being, I went from the, the youth degree into the missions degree uh, right after that. You know, you know so it was a process. We had uh, Brother Art Wilson with us uh, several times over the years while he was still uh, on this side of heaven. And I tell you, he was always a blessing, but you, you never, uh, you always expected him to go at least 45 minutes or an hour in his preaching. So that's a long right. time to squirm under his finger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, so that was kind of, everything in my life has always been like a, a, the next door, the next door, the next door, the next door. I think part of that maybe is because I don't come from a ministry family background. Sure. So God has just had to kind of, I don't know, kind of hold my hand through a lot of this, right. you know? And so then just, we just started praying as a married couple, where would God have us to go? And I said, let's pray about it separately and see what happens. Right. Which is kind of a dangerous thing. And so uh, shockingly enough, God did put Nicaragua on both our hearts separately, which wow. was more odd for Nick, uh, for Rachel because Nicaragua would be the country that most Costa Ricans detest Wow! Uh, because of the situation where it's a bordering country that's wow. been a warring country that's uh, an impoverished country where people come in as illegals and that whole situation. And so even, even some of her friends in Costa Rica were, were asking her, are you sure you want to go to Nicaragua? You know, that's uh that's for, for a Costa Rican, that would be uh, a move down for sure in their mind. Wow! And, and over the years, we've watched the Costa Ricans come in and serve in Nicaragua and work with us and do missions teams from Costa Rica and Nicaragua, and it's it, and it has become quite a, a beautiful partnership. That's awesome. That's that's tremendous. You know, just exciting to hear how God has led each step of the way. But not just you, but also your wife, and then together. Yeah, y'all been able to say, listen, we know this is what God wants for our life, and we're just going to trust God as we just step out by faith and know that He's uh, He's going to be in this. And truly, uh, from what I hear, God's been in it, and God has yeah. done a great work. Uh, you know, and we've all been affected by COVID nineteen uh, in different ways. Uh, you know, obviously, this has been a radical shift globally for every individual. It seems like. Uh, how tell us the trials and the blessings that have come out of COVID nineteen for you. Uh, as well as ministry. Yeah, for us, we've been through so many things uh, as missionaries in a country like Nicaragua. But for us, COVID-19 is just another thing. It's just yeah. another obstacle. And I don't want to uh, to lessen it. I don't want to make it seem like it's not a big deal. But I've had chikungunya. I've had dengue twice. I've had yeah. uh, Zika. I, you know, I've had these, these uh, mosquito-borne illnesses that make you feel like you have rheumatoid arthritis for a couple of years. You know, I, I, I've been hospitalized. I've been IV'd. We've been through a, rev a mini revolution, attempted coup of the government. We've had the, the Communist Party uh, burning buses and taxis, and, and I've had to drive through barricades. And, 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 and then in 2018, we had that, that attempted coup. Uh, and, and so this was, for us, this is like, okay, just roll with it, you know? Right. Uh, for us, we've, we've noticed that uh, God is on the throne, absolutely, you know, no matter what. And so COVID-19, how does it affect us? You know, it, it affects us in the, in the fact that we were on furlough raising money. 
and uh, trying to raise more support for what's next for us because for several years now, we've not only been missionaries in Nicaragua, but we've been working in Costa Rica and Panama and Cuba and starting off to launch into some things in Honduras and Belize and uh, with our Avance Sports Ministry that helps uh, church planters plant churches or it helps church plants grow. We've been all over Latin America. Uh, so in September of, uh, of this past year, the Baptist Bible Fellowship went to vote and actually voted to have me become the Brian Weed BBFI Trailhead International. So Trailhead International is a group of businessmen out of Des Moines, Iowa, that are half funding my salary so that the BBFI only has to cover half my salary and allowing me to continue what I'm doing okay. and helping, and helping, uh, helping that along through, through the salaries. But then for me to raise more money uh, was, was, was fine. That's what you do. You go out and you raise money. But now with COVID-19 and everything shutting down, that's made it very, very difficult. Sure. And so, so in, in essence, uh, COVID-19 has, uh, has scared people, mm. has obviously shut things down. Uh, there's, what, almost three and a half million cases that are known in, uh, in America. Uh, and so uh, it's scary. Uh, it's dangerous, uh, but God is still on the throne, and that's what I tell our leadership in in Nicaragua, and and some of those churches in Nicaragua because of taking the, I think taking the high road, taking the God road, taking the God is on the throne road, yeah. uh, they've they've grown. In fact, some of our churches, our tithes have even increased, Amen. which is unreal because we've lost something like now upwards of sixty thousand dollars in the middle part of a country of only six million people. And, and our numbers are going up. It's weird. Wow. And so, so, and of course, we know that that may be temporary. COVID hasn't really hit Nicaragua yet. Uh, when it does, I think there's going to be uh, some more issues. Uh, there's already hunger issues. Yeah. Uh, there's already a lack of food. We're, we're, we're raising money, not only for Nicaragua, but for the indigenous groups of, of Costa Rica, for Panama, uh, for uh, even, even going into Peru. Uh, raising money in the Dominican Republic, so we're hitting all over the place uh, with you know what with what started in Nicaragua, we're just spreading it out like we're supposed to. You know, I think the the uh, the the COVID nineteen thing has only motivated me to just work harder. Sure. You know, because when things get more difficult, you just dig deeper. Right. You just have to cowboy up, so to speak. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That sounds like a good Texas term. Well. <clears throat> Well, we praise the Lord, man. We're just excited to, to hear some of those good things. And you shared with me this week how that uh, you've, you've seen churches growing. You've seen offerings up in Nicaragua. You've seen uh, pastors excited about what God is doing. Uh, are the churches still open there or are they uh, having to be more creative or how's, how are their services working? You know, uh, for several years now, for whatever reason, I really pushed our guys to uh, have somewhat of a uh, a social media presence mm -hmm. and to, to be involved in technology. And we've even had churches to come in and do seminars on, on worship, but really focusing on the technology side of things. And so for us, uh, the, our guys hardly missed a beat. Good. Uh, they were on, you know, they were on Facebook live. They were on zoom. They went uh, to a uh, zoom small groups. Uh, surprisingly enough, zoom small groups has kind of been, um, our bread and butter for church wow. growth right now. In fact, it's been so good that we're talking about even when COVID-19 is over to continue doing Zoom small groups because people are liking it and people are coming over to 
you know, their neighbors to watch on the TV and to see what's going on and seeing if they can be a part. And so the church is actually, in some cases, growing through our small groups on Zoom. It's, it's wild. That's great. I had a, was talking to a missionary just yesterday, and he was telling me that, uh, that, uh, that, that through this time, they've seen more people uh, being a part of their services that wouldn't normally come into the doors of the building. Uh, but, but God's blessing and using this trial, and I think it's really for many, many pastors and missionaries, opened our eyes to say, listen, it's not just about that building. It's about continuing to take the gospel out. And even the early disciples didn't have a building. Uh, you know, but they continued to carry that gospel forward. And, and really, that's our call. No matter what obstacle we face, to continue to take the gospel into all the world. And uh, right. I think when we remember, like you said, hey, our God still sits on the throne. He is still a mighty God, and he's still able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according yeah. to that power that worketh in us. You know, we can we can see God do a tremendous thing. And so um, I just want to ask you one last, well, a couple of more questions, Brother Weed. How or what specific things can we pray for for you and your family? Uh, for us, I would just say uh, to uh, to help in the transition to working more. Uh, this, uh, you know, the approval of being BBFI Trailhead is being approved to do what we were already doing, so to speak. You know, working, uh, you know, our headquarters is Nicaragua, uh, but to expand that into uh, so many other countries, uh, we've basically said we will work two jobs. We will we will double our workload if if people will just pay for it, you know, it missions is expensive. So, so, and so, is, is so I'm sorry, brother. Yeah. I was just going to ask, is trailhead, uh, basically like a sports ministry. Uh, no. what is uh, trailhead trailhead international.org is actually their website. And it's a group of businessmen that several years ago, uh, started realizing that, uh, that somebody needed to get together and help in the church planting because some conversations came up with people like me and I did, they said, well, what's your number one obstacle? And people always assume it's going to be uh, the communist or the socialist government or uh, some form of a denomination like the Pentecostals or the Jehovah's witness or the Mormons or the Catholics or, and you know, we win those people to Christ all the time. Sure. You know, uh, that, that's not our obstacle. And, and in fact, uh, Catholics, we, uh, Catholics get saved all the time in our, in our churches. Uh, so that's not an obstacle uh, at all. I would say being an, ob an obstacle would be somebody who doesn't even believe in God. At least they're God conscious people. Right. So that's not an obstacle. The obstacle for us has always been that our ministry has grown so much. We have 16 churches. We have a medical center. We have the largest sports ministry in all of Central America. We have a Christian academy. Uh, so our, our number one, uh, obstacle has always been money. Hmm. And so I, I spoke to, to that account, uh, to a pastor. He spread that, uh, information on to these businessmen years ago. They asked me if, if they were to form a 501 C three, if I would at least serve on their board, I agreed. I know international business more than most people because I live in that world and we right. have a non-governmental organization to make our churches legal. And, uh, then, uh, uh, then they, they formed officially about four years ago as a 501c3. It's been successful. In fact, uh, this week, uh, in four years, they just, from launch to now, just hit $1 million in church planning donations. Praise the Lord. And so so things are going great. And so they asked me to just basically copy what I've done in Nicaragua and help other missionaries do likewise, whether it be through the, the church planting or the church planting through sports ministry. 
Okay. And so they formed a 501c3 as businessmen with a core value of helping homeless churches get a church home. Amen. And so they'll, they've done a lot of matching where missionaries say, hey, I need a $60,000 building. Okay, Trailhead will do 30000 if you can get churches to match by 30000 oh, And uh, even here lately with the COVID-19, we did a temporary shift to do, uh, to do food relief. And uh, right now I've, I've met with several missionaries and say, okay, you come up with 2000, we, uh, trailhead's going to match at 2000. And that's been through the COVID food relief that we're, you know, we're, we're helping pastors and, and pastors, families and church members and staff of churches in Africa, Asia, Latin America, uh, eat, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to grow the church when you're starving to death. That's right. And uh, there's some, uh, you know, hunger has doubled, uh, since COVID. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so, so we, we, we've tried to be sensitive to that. And at the same time, uh, I have $60,000 next month coming for, for a, an, a facility. Uh, 22,000 was already sent in and another 60 is coming in next month for a, a, a new facility for the Christian Academy in Northern Nicaragua. Uh, 50, uh, $53,100 was just deposited into our account this month. That's uh, going toward the, the, the purchase of land in Messiah, Nicaragua. Uh, the uh, former conservative uh, president of Guatemala, who now runs his companies with his with his uh, with his boys in Panama, just donated a property that Familia Vance could have never ever afforded in our wildest dreams. He donated the property for a church. Praise and the Lord! So, so we're trying to raise three hundred thousand dollars to do development and build a facility, a large facility for that church uh, in Panama, and so so what, what's what's our obstacle? What's what what to pray for? pray for people to come on and support uh, Trailhead Latin America uh, because uh, Trailhead Latin America. So you support me. I appreciate that. That's helping me in what I'm doing in Nicaragua. You support Trailhead Latin America. 100% of your donations go to the projects in Latin America with an organization whose core value is church planting. Yeah. And they picked me. They could have picked anybody from any organization, but they picked me. And so I'm looking for, for, for Baptist missionaries that are doing it, making it happen, doing a good job through the Baptist Bible Fellowship and, and, and focusing on those guys and, and trying to help them uh, get their pastors into that first church. So pray for, pray for that success because there's 7.4 billion people on planet Earth, and I feel an urgency to reach them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think every pastor and missionary right now feels that urgency now more than ever. Uh, and so, man, what a great thing. It's, it's neat, you know, cause we've, I know I've seen like on Facebook and different places cause you're very active on Facebook, uh, posting about trail trailhead. And then I knew that you were a missionary in Nicaragua. So it's good for us to be able to understand the different roles that God's called you to there. Right. So if you have one thing that you would share or just something as a missionary to the heart of our church, uh, would you, would you just take a moment and share some of that with our church? You know, the, the marching orders of Jesus are what the church has to go back to. Amen. You know, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was obviously different. At age 12, he was, he was just blowing people's minds with his, with his intellect and his knowledge. Uh, at 30, uh, he went into full-time ministry, took 12 men. One of those 12 was an absolute traitor. And then he had to come and come back and, and get Paul. And, uh, and, and turn the world upside down with these men. And then he had to explain to them at, at the Last Supper that he was, going to be, uh, he was going to be captured, he was going to be beaten, he was going to be crucified, but that he would, raise again, or he would rise again. 
and he did. That's right. And then, then you think about Jesus and, and how important the church was because he came to be the founder of the church. And you even see that there was baptisms within the church. There was the Lord's Supper in the church. And then he's got to take off for a couple thousand years. Now, you're a pastor, and I'm sure you have leader, leader people in your church. We've all read the leadership books. I've read leadership books from top Christian leaders. I've read leadership books from, from secular leaders. I've done everything I can to uh, develop leadership in who I am and what I do. And, and one thing that I do know is when a missionary leaves for a year on furlough, typically he'll do what I do, and that's get a camp together and be the speaker and pour into your men. And there's going to be something that you pour into your men, and it's going to be the most important thing on your mind. And whatever the most important thing on your mind is, that's going to be like the central theme of your whole meeting, whether it's a, a day or a week. It's, you're going to pour into that central theme. And Jesus was taken off for a couple thousand years. Right. And so you think, well, you know, he's, he's the leader of leaders. I mean, if you really want to re read a leadership book, read the Bible. You know, I mean, yeah. Jesus is the leader of leaders. And he had to take off for a couple thousand years. And if the leader of leaders had to take off for a couple thousand years, and you get the idea of leadership and leadership concepts, you know he's going to leave something important for, for us to do. Right. And anybody who ever accepts Jesus automatically is a part of that leadership team. So what was it that Jesus, what were the last words of Jesus for the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? It was the Great Commission. That's right. And so... If I, if, I were, if I were to motivate the church to do something right now, you got to tithe. Amen. But you also have to give to missions. You know, if, if the most important thing on Jesus' mind when he was taken off for a couple thousand years was, was missions, mm -hmm. and just because we get a little nervous, a little scared, a little worked up over, over a virus or a, some kind of a pandemic, and we choose to no longer participate in the tithing and the serving and in the giving uh, to the Great Commission. Yeah, we're walking on thin ice right. because he's the leader of leaders. He commanded it. We have to obey it. We don't call the shots. He does. He's still on the throne, even in the danger, even in the pandemics. We have the marching orders. And, you know, I, I, I talk to our leadership a lot on, on the soldiers. You know, you, people want to be the soldier of the cross. They want to be the good soldier. Well, I've met soldiers. I've met soldiers trained by the Spitznas. I've been, I've, those, are the, those are like the Navy SEALs of the Russians. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I've met Navy SEALs, and I've met uh, Delta Force. I've met guys that uh, were that next level military, that special forces in the military. They're not, they're not like everybody else. They're elite. Mm -hmm. And so when I, tell, when I talk to our guys they want to take their Christianity serious. I, I'm just real honest with them. And I say, you know, we don't need any more soldiers of the cross because soldiers of the cross are just kind of like bench warmers. Hmm. We need special forces of the cross. Hmm. And if there's a time for, for the church and pastors and members of churches and the local churches to stand up and be the special forces of the cross, it's when there's a pandemic because the special forces get called upon when something bad is happening. That's right. And right now something bad is happening. So the special forces of the cross, they, they, they must, they must react 
and they must react in a positive way and they must react in a kingdom building way. Mm -hmm. And that's what the special forces of the cross do. That's awesome. And what a great encouraging word, Brother Weed, uh, just to just to be reminded, listen, it's time for us to, to uh, do what God's called us to do. Uh, you know, every single one of us, I think God is looking for those special forces, those men and those women that will stand up and say, listen, I want to, I want to take my, my commitment to Christ to the next level and uh, being witnesses and then also continually being faithful in, uh, in our giving. Because uh, what Christ said was, is for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And uh, if we're really serious, this is not a time where we're going to let that fall off. And if we're really believing that this is the end, uh, then let's go ahead and make sure we give everything we can so that uh, so that we see more people come to Christ during this time. Right. That's awesome. Well, Brother Weed, it is a joy to be with you today. I'm so glad that you've been able to take time to, to spend time and invest in our church and, and to uh, just to minister to them. I want to take uh, just a moment and pray with you uh, for uh, Nicaragua, for uh, the Trailhead Ministry, and that God would just continue to allow us to see churches uh, go forward, but also that God would call men and call uh, uh, women into uh, just serving him more faithfully than ever before. So let's pray together, brother. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, and thank you for this most urgent message that you have for us today, Lord, to take the gospel into all the world. Uh, and Father, I pray that you would help us as a church, Lord, during this time, Lord, that we would not uh, just be complacent or lackadaisical, but instead, Lord, that we would uh, go forth as a, as a mighty army, carrying the gospel into all the world. And so help us to be faithful in our giving, but help us to be faithful in our witness. Lord, that we would personally take the gospel and that, God, we would help uh, those like Brother Weed and other uh, missionaries continue to carry that gospel into all the world. Lord, your people have been very faithful over the years, and we just give you the praise for that faithfulness. And I pray that we would, even in this time, be found faithful. Lord, I thank you for uh, Trailhead Ministry. Lord, the, the desire that they have to be able to start uh, uh, and, and to help these new church plants get in a building and be established and so that generations to come would be impacted by the preaching of the gospel. Lord, I pray for um, Brother Weed and his family as they minister in Nicaragua. God, that you would just use their ministry in a tremendous way, uh, Lord, to continue to carry the gospel uh, and to continue to encourage those pastors and to continue to encourage the discipleship. And Lord, uh, as they're traveling and they're doing the work that you've called them to stateside, I pray that you would just help them uh, to have safety, Lord, and courage as they uh, speak to people and witness here in the States as they're, uh, as, as they're here uh, in America. Thank you for what you've done. We look forward to the day when we hear that trumpet, and we just pray that you would help us to be found faithful in that moment, in that hour, that God, that you uh, call us up to meet you in the air, that Lord, there would be nothing uh, that would prevent us, Father, uh, from uh, being able to be found faithful in that moment. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Weed, it's always a joy to have you, and we look forward to meeting you in person finally yeah. one day. And so yeah, We'll make it happen. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to thank our church family, too, for your faithfulness and just uh, investing uh, in missions and, and just uh, being a blessing to uh, all of our community as well. And uh, we just just give God all the glory and the praise for that. Amen. Amen.